Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletes. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the RNR Catcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley. He's one of your hosts, Ryan Thornburg. We are the Ryans of the RNR Catcast, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. And we are a podcast by the fans for the fans. We hope we are your first listen for Bobcat Banter. How you doing, Ryan? Doing great. Bobcats are one and oh. It was a three-day weekend. We get to talk some game recap stuff, although you already did with your slick little instant reaction episode. I haven't got a chance to talk about it yet, but uh, yeah, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm well, man. It's uh, back to school time. Tomorrow's actually my very first day of school, which is late for everybody else, but uh, Spokane is special. We try to do it a little bit later, (laughs) but we get out a little bit later. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Kids are going back to school and uh, can't wait. All right. Well, back to school. Bobcats are back in school. And the Chuck McNeese State to school. Boom. <laughs> hey, Thorny, why don't you mention our uh, new sponsorship? Yeah, so this is an exciting thing. Uh, thanks for the semi-weird transition right into this, but let's get it out of the way. Uh, we are going to be partnering with Manhattan Bank, based out of Manhattan, Montana, they got, what, four locations, Bozeman, Churchill, Manhattan, and Three Forks. And, you know, this is kind of an introductory announcement here. There's going to be more information to come. Uh, We're hashing out the details, going to get some, you know, the ads recorded, content, the script, all that good stuff. But just want to throw that out there. It's exciting. Um, A new partnership with Manhattan Bank is going to be our sponsor for this full episode show for... 2022-2023 throughout the calendar year, so we're excited to announce that and look forward to more information um, probably when we record next week. I imagine we'll have it all hashed out and get some more stuff for you. So that's our big announcement. We're pretty excited about it. We love just partnering with local Montana businesses. That that means a lot to us. We don't want to just be out here peddling bomba socks like every other podcast on the planet or whatever talk radio. So uh, we we... We reached out to them, and uh, yeah, we're excited for this partnership. So there's there's the announcement on that. Woo! Yes, we are stoked. Excellent news. That's really good stuff. Excited to talk with those guys and uh, get an ad roll and uh, you know push it out. It's gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. All right, let's give a little bit of a show rundown of what we got planned for tonight. Like Thorny said, this is a game recap. We do these all the time. Back but it's to our, our normal first stuff. one for the. 2023 so we're gonna go over the news we'll talk about some some injury stuff that came out in coach or coach vegan's presser today that i i got halfway through because i started watching it right before we recorded um stats fcs poll came out we'll briefly touch on that and then ryan and i are going to go into uh the mcneese state game we're gonna recap what we saw and after that We'll transition into the preview of the Moorhead State game. And for that, we had previously today recorded an interview with Chuck Maraz, the voice of the Fighting Eagles. 
for like 35 years and he has a fantastic voice. So you're in treat, your ears will be in for a treat. And he broke down pretty much everything Moorhead State Eagles and gave us pretty much just a, you know, one-on-one class on the football team. So we'll play that audio for you. We'll come out of that. And Ryan and I will talk slightly a little bit about what we're looking for on this game, because a lot of the conversation that we would preview took place already in that audio clip we'll play for you. And then we'll button it up with some golden coolies questions some buyer cells and uh, some, maybe a bull prediction. That was a lot, but I think we got it. Well, it's a jam-packed episode, kind of back to our normal course of action. We got some good golden coolie questions. So we want to make sure that we save enough time at the end for that. I think the interview with Chuck took about 25 minutes, maybe by the time all said and done. So we'll be conscientious of that. We try to keep all of our episodes around an hour. But yeah, fun episode. Let's get to it, man. Let's get right into it. All right. After. Let's start with. Ooh. What's in your golden coolie? <laughs> oh, it still makes me laugh, dude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I went out. And got a new beer just for this today. It's out of Missoula, Big Sky Brewing. It's called Space Goat Pale Ale. It is a crazy looking can. As like this, well, it's a goat in space. Kind of futuristic looking. 5%. Pretty uh, pretty mellow pale ale. But uh, picked it up for the pot today. It's pretty good. Sessionable. Sessionable. That's important. It's still summer, still yep. sessionable beer season. Is it still summer? Like, it when, is. Is, when does fall officially start? I don't know my uh, stuff well, here. Got to be getting close. Can't wear white pants anymore. That's after Labor Darn Day. it. Memorial Day. Labor All Day. the white pants. My just <laughs> drawers and drawers full of white pants. I can't wear anything white because it'll instantly spill on them. Um, I have from District Brewing over here in Mount Vernon, Washington, where I used to reside. The Citra Act, it says Act. I don't know if it's supposed to be A-C-T or Act. No idea. It's a hazy IPA. Um, District Brewing is a cool little brewery down there. They make really, really good pizza. Highly recommend if you're ever in that area. Their pizza is amazing. Their beer is pretty good. Um, 6.9% alcohol. Nice. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's all right. It's, a, <laughs> it's an IPA. It tastes like an IPA. I don't think I'd probably pick it up again. It's not a bad IPA. It's just it's an IPA. And sometimes I try. And I fail. It's it's. I bought it mainly for my wife to bring to this jam session she went to, where a BYOB musical jam session where she brought like her ukulele and went and jammed with some people. And you're supposed to bring your own beer, and I gave her that option. She wanted to bring that because we're in Washington. I assume people would appreciate an IPA. It's all right. You know, it's not as good as uh, my backup beer here, which is actually uh, Jeremiah Johnson's Citra IPA, which I prefer over this one, but. I got a beer. We're talking about guy football. I'm not upset. I appreciate that you're trying with the IPAs. I do try. That's more than I can say. <laughs> yep. All right. Nice work. All right. Let's get into just, uh, well, let's talk about the FCS poll right here. Uh, nothing changed as far as the stats poll. The stats poll came out about halfway through today. I kept checking the morning and big, no big surprises. We're still number four in the nation. Uh, the Grizzlies, number three. South Dakota State was number two, and North Dakota State was number one. Excuse me. The biggest thing was 
And this it has nothing to do with Bobcat football. Kennesaw State went from number eight down to number 19. I saw their score. I'm not going to be able to repeat it off the top of my head, but yeah, that was the biggest mix up in the whole thing. Eastern Washington came in at number 12. They were 13 and Weber State's at 16. So uh, that's pretty much it for the Big Sky Conference in in the um, FCS stats poll, but that's none of that's really surprising. It's good to see Montana State be number four in the nation. Yeah, I mean, nothing matters right now, assuming you don't lose. No, no one's going to really change. Everyone's going to be probably winning most of their out-of-conference games, unless it's an FBS game. Yeah. And when you lose those, you don't really typically get punished in the poll. So, no, nothing really to talk about there. It's fine. It is what it is. But All right, let's recap some of the news. Actually, as I do have something as... here. Uh, we didn't talk about this. Oh. When you were talking about polls, I'm like, wait a minute. The Big Sky Conference or the Big Sky Net Podcast Network power rankings, fully. Can't forget those. Uh, Montana, number one. Montana State, number two. Sac State, number three. Weber State, number four. Idaho, number five. Yeah, um, it's an it's a Idaho um, heavy network. <laughs> Eastern Washington, number six. There's your top six. So just thought I'd throw that out there for your to chew on from other from the other podcasters around the Big Sky Podcast Network. Bobcast number two. Yeah, I could see that. I would have put uh, Eastern number five over Idaho. Gunner Talkington. Come on. Like Eastern having another quarterback who's passing for 400 yards, five touchdowns. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's it's unreal, man. It's Tennessee State coached by Eddie George, which is an HBCU in the, oh, goodness. I don't remember the conference off the top of my head, but, you know, not not his, a historical power. So good. I mean, that's still a great performance, but we'll see what happens when he gets into some more of the big sky play. But it's likely going to be. Same as always, same as every other Eastern Washington quarterback since the beginning of time. You're good for 350 yards minimum and four touchdowns a game. You also had like 56 some passes yeah. or something. You're good it for was, 50, yeah. 50 passes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they do. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. All right. Well, let's get into the game that happened in Bozeman. Before we even get into anything, let's just say Gold Rush looks phenomenal on television. It just keeps getting better and better. We were there last year. The shots with Alex Eshelman and just the sea of gold, uh, the student section behind, just looked unreal. And all the photos that came out of that, that game, oh, man, way to go, Bobcat fans. <laughs> you are making the premier FCS uh, venue for a game. that I, I don't think that can be beat, honestly. No, I mean... I, I, I was trying to rack my brain. I was like, that's probably the best atmosphere in FCS right there. I mean, it might be the best single game atmosphere. Like, an average game, maybe not yep. so much. But yeah, Gold Rush has got to be up there. Now, speaking of, like, HBCUs, they do all those, like, big marching band things. They have the SWAC championship games. I think those are pretty off the hook. But yeah, I mean, Gold Rush has got to be toe-to-toe with anything else you can put up there. Outside of maybe, you know, Brawl of the Wildcat Grizz. For just a single yeah. single game event, Gold Rush, man. Montana State has really done well. It looks so good on TV. The only thing that didn't look good was the fact that McNeese State was basically wearing the inverse colors of ourselves. So there was just way too much gold <laughs> on the field. It was kind of, ugh, it was a little blurry and a little painful to look at. But other than that, it looked fantastic. Oh, it was, it just made me proud. Just to see where, we, where we've come. 
because I remember our first gold rush and then everyone since then. And it's just unreal to see 20, it was like what, 21,000 fans. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the total is there, but it was, I think we set a record. We set a record with heat and we set a record with attendance. That was really cool. Yeah. Anyways. And uh, yeah, it was cool seeing Alex Singleton down there enjoying his first gold rush as a fan. (laughs) So that was pretty cool too. Yeah. Yeah, come he, on the pod, swimming. Alex. I tweeted at you. Come on. Everyone liked my tweet, but you never responded, Alex. So please, please come on the podcast. <laughs> It'd be fun, man. He's got a big old bushy beard. It looks good. Hey, we're 1-0. and We beat McNeese State 40-17. to It looks like a dominant victory. In my uh, instant reaction, I kind of leaned a little bit different, uh, but we're going to start talking about it. We got to start with the stats, though, and that's uh, that's your game, there, buddy. All right, well, let's take a look at the stats. The Bobcats win this game, forty to seventeen, on Gold Rush. Bobcats twenty-six first downs to just eleven for McNeese State. The Cats compiled three hundred and fifty-nine yards on the ground on fifty-nine att- attempts for six point one yards per carry, with three touchdowns. McNeese State mustered one hundred and fifty-eight yards. I'm pretty sure. All of that was on two carries uh, on 25 attempts, 6.3 yards per carry for one touchdown. Uh, They lost 37 yards on the ground, so we were able to stuff them quite a few times on sacks and whatnot. The Bobcats passed for 182 yards on 11 of 21 passing for 8.7 yards per attempt and 16.5 yards completion. That's pretty good. Two touchdowns there. McNeese State held it just 145 yards. On 12 of 23 passing with two interceptions by both by Callahan or Riley. Then we keep scrolling down. So 541 total yards of offense for the Bobcats to just 303 for the Cowboys. The Cowboys only ran 48 plays. The Bobcats ran 80 plays. That was complete domination in terms of plays ran. You look at the fumbles. The Cats fumbled the ball, fumbled the ball three times and lost two of them. Whereas McNeese State fumbled it once and kept it allegedly. Anyway, uh, six penalties on the Cats for 55 yards, which was not good to see. Just two on the Cowboys for 30 yards. So they were both personal fouls. It looks like both 15 yarders. And that's really kind of the main stuff there. Individually, we have Tommy Malott going 11 for 19 for 182 yards. Or did you want to take them individual? I guess we kind of pass this typically. I'm trying to think how we've done this historically. Early season Uh, form Go for it, bro. Tommy Watt, 11 of 19, 182 yards, two touchdowns for a long of 50 yards. He was sacked twice, which we'll get into that conversation. Start of the show, Lane Sumner, 24 carries, 176 yards for 7.3 yards per carry with a long of 40. Jared White, seven carries for 90 yards, uh, a long of 48, 12.7 yards per carry. That's going to be the big story here is the rushing attack for the Bobcats. And receiving was led by... Yardage-wise, Lane Sumner, two receptions for 52 yards with that little rail pass yep. thing that the Cats like to do that, uh, you know, uh, Taylor Housewright likes to do. Robbie Austin came down with three catches for 40 yards and a touchdown, and Willie P came down with three catches for 45 yards and a touchdown. Uh, it was in the mainly the Knox Kadem show over on McNeese side, 11 for 21, 126 yards, one touchdown, picked off twice, sacked four times, Cam Ransom came in through two passes, was sacked twice. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a really 
dominating performance. So, so there, there's the stats. So where do, where do you want to go from here? What do you want to talk about first? Well, I just want to mention a couple of our defensive stats as well. We had uh, Sebas, Sebastian Valdez had two and a half sacks, if I remember right. Let's see, there it is. Yeah, Sebastian had two and a half sacks. Blake Schmidt had one sack. Ben Seymour had a half of a sack. David Alston had a sack. And uh, Willie Patterson had a sack, apparently. Somebody else must be wearing number 11. <laughs> yeah, Kenneth Iden was wearing number 11. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Willie P with the sack. They gave Willie Patterson. And um, I think Tommy Malak on, on here, too, is for like a pass breakup. But that was <laughs> James Campbell, who wears number four as well. So good job, guys. Um, Yeah, the, the stats... Um, I think the one that uh, I would just pick one that came out to me was just Lane Sumner. He he had himself a day in 176 yards on the ground, 50 through the air. So he accounted for uh, 226 yards of total offense of our 500 and what some odd yards, and uh, he could have easily had probably 100 more if those two plays in the first quarter. It might have been first quarter. Could have been second quarter, but he had one of those touch touchdowns called called back. That was probably like a forty five yard run, and yeah, he had another one uh, with a rush rhymer hold. So he had himself a day, and we knew Lane was capable of that. And it's just really good to see that uh, he's just shining. He's got his, he's got a chance now with Kagan out. The Kagan that would have been another thing with the the injury stuff. We didn't actually mention that uh, that uh, Kagan's probably going to be. Uh, maybe out for the year. Uh, Coach Vegan kind of touched on it in his his pressure today that he's dealing with basically some neck stiffness and they're just being pretty precautionary with his return. So Lane's going to get a a lot of touches with Afonso still on the shelf and he made a lot of it. He did, absolutely. He was, uh, I mean, I think a lot of us thought Lane was capable of that stuff. He showed a lot of that kind of stuff in Mm -hmm. 2019 when we were much more of a running back by committee, we had like three running backs with over 400 yards that year. But it was really good to see him come out and play like that because honestly, he was most of our offense for a good portion of that game. Without Lane making those runs, uh, you know, the Bobcats would have been in big trouble in this game. So Lane Sumner, a very capable third string back, honestly could be starting for the Cats, could be starting for plenty of other teams in the Big Sky and the FCS. He looked shifty. He looked strong. He looked fast. I mean, what, what's not to like? I love the way he ran. He looked really good running. He hit the hole quickly. Uh, he, you know, he was decisive in his which way he was going. I mean, that was almost a perfect game from Lane, except for the fumble. He did cough the ball up, so that would be the one knock on Lane Sumner there. But other than that, he had a pretty pretty stellar game. The only true fumble that happened during that game. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of questionable fumbles in this game. Let's let's talk about that. That is such BS on that. Uh, the worst one was Tommy Lott's fumble. That very clear no. evidence. His knee was down all the way down, and they no, didn't even I review the worst it. I don't. One was I don't. Well, I don't understand why. Okay, so the other one you're talking about would be when it was it Knox Kadem, whatever the, the Cowboys quarterback was going to try yeah. and punch it in on third and goal from like the two. And the ball came out, fumbled in the end zone. The Bobcats um, pounced on it. They ruled it a touchback on the field. 
they reviewed it, and I don't know the circumstances here. Did can was McNeese the ones who threw the like a challenge flag, or did the refs just decide to take a look at that? From television, I couldn't tell. All of a sudden, all I knew that they were just lining up for an extra point, and everybody was like, "What?" <laughs> like even the announcers were caught off guard. It was silly because the replay, he fumbled the exchange on the RPO. Like it totally came out. He pulled it from the running back. It came out of his hand and it was, it was out. And he was like, Oh no. And he reaches for the ball that just goes into the end zone. And they claim his knee was down. I don't know how his knee even got down. I mean, he had the ball kind of trapped on his leg as he was kind of like, like you said, kind of Bosch exchange. He had it trapped on his leg, but it was the, the, the clear uh, photograph, like the still from the, from the, the replay showed the ball was like off of his leg before his knee hit the ground. It was so, <laughs> I don't understand how they could overturn it. That's the biggest thing because they overturned yeah. it, which is absurd. Yeah. You have to have such conclusive evidence to overturn a ruling on the field. Yeah. But so, okay. So then they, they botched that one. And then Tommy Watts is very obvious too, but they didn't review it. And yeah. somebody on the Coach Bobcat Vegan message said he was board. Get some- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say sorry there. I interrupted you. Coach Vegan said he was going to get some clarification on that. And okay. he's, uh, he's going to reach out to the, the the conference and try to get some clarification why they didn't allow that to be over. Yeah, because I, I think uh, or, somebody on the on the board said Vegan wanted to challenge it, and he was told he couldn't. Now, mm-hmm. but so that's why I'm asking the Cowboys challenge the first one. And if not, how come the refs decided, let's look at this one, but let's not look at this one. Very confusing because one was a scoring opportunity and one wasn't. Like it was just weird. Like why wouldn't you look at it? the The, the photos, the stills of that are so clear. He was down, <laughs> so so clear. Oh, okay, we got that out of the way. The first thing we're going to be kind of all over the place on this first episode where we aren't in the groove yet. We're not in our mid season form as as the pundits say. But that was uh, egregious. Both of those. Both of those terrible. So yeah, Lane Summers probably the only real fumble the whole damn game. Where do you want to go with this? I don't know. So um, I have some... go ahead. You were going to say something. Yeah, I got some thoughts. I got some questions for you because I did the the instant reaction show, which typically would come out on a Saturday night or a Sunday night. But uh, I have to learn how to edit. That's uh, been thorny. <laughs> And he, he does such a great job on making it sound so good. But like like we said, Thorny was out. So that didn't came that didn't come out till today. But you did so record it out there. on Saturday. Yes. I did. I did. Up in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded nice. Anyways, I wanna I wanna ask you, what do you think of Taco Dollar? All right, we can start there. Uh, Taco Dollar, I think he's gonna be explosive. Like you could just see Ooh. it. Like he's gonna Man. he's gonna bust a big one. He may not score this year. Uh, we did have a golden coolie question about that about Taco Dollar scoring. Uh, oh, that was my bold prediction. That was your bold I, prediction. I made a bold prediction. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I hey, your bold prediction was Sumner going over one fifty. Are you sure you it was right Sumner or was it Kagan Williams? Because I didn't know he was out at the time. Yeah. So I, I think I'll I would have said Kagan Williams. Like I heard you say that on the interaction show. I'm like I'd love to take credit for that, but I'm pretty sure I would have said Williams. <laughs> I think Taco's got an awesome okay. future. He looked fast out there. He looked good on the like the sweeps too. Like 
I, he's going to be a star, man. Like a true freshman like that is already getting snaps like that. Maybe they'll redshirt him. Maybe they won't. But I think he's going to be too too valuable. Like I can't see them redshirting him. Like he's going to have to play. We need we need. Did you see how he just? Did you see how he fielded the punts with ease, just like like nonchalantly? In in how how that's like compare that to like Willie P. Yeah, catching the ball. You're yeah, like, yeah, I mean, Taco did it like his entire like <laughs> high school career, I believe. I don't, I don't know if Willie P did that in high school because he was a quarterback, I think, in high school. So yeah. he probably didn't field a whole lot of punts. So Taco is more of a natural or more of a experienced punt catcher. But yeah, it, I was excited okay. to see it. I'm excited to see what he can do. Okay, I got another question for you. What did you think about how we used Sean Chambers? I didn't love it. I don't hate it. Uh I'm not sure what I think about it. It was weird. I love that they had him and RJ Fitzgerald back there. Like that's a heavy package. And they did an RPO with Sean Chambers and RJ Fitzgerald. Who would have ever called for that or thought that was going to happen at any point during the season? RPO with RJ Fitzgerald. Because I'm excited to see RJ Fitzgerald actually keep one of those. And I think he will. My bold prediction is at some point, RJ Fitzgerald rushes for a touchdown this season. It's going to happen. Don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, you know, there's a lot you can do with it. Eventually, you know, he'll throw the ball. They didn't show much. I think they're just trying to get on a film, him just pounding teams up the middle and they're going to do more with it later. But, you know, I, I, I didn't particularly love it. It takes the flow away. I like keeping hits off him a lot down at the goal line. Cause that would be him just plowing up the middle. Cause that's, you know, that's what would happen. But uh, I don't know. It's going to be predictable if they don't change it up. So I don't know. I don't know where I am on it. Didn't love it. How about you? I mean, you're documented. Yeah, as echo everything not you, yeah, yeah. I was, was echo everything you had said. It's I'm on the fence because we got two touchdowns out of it, but tapes out. Yeah, well, maybe right. that's that's give part of the plan. Quote. The tape being out of that specific version of it. Yeah, let's probably yeah. Big, I, big I have brain thought about stuff. that today. Yep. Uh, what did you think of here? I'm just going to throw you a big one: the defense. You know, uh. A little concerning. A little concerning. I expected the defensive line to maybe not just smother everyone like they did. I wasn't really expecting gash plays based on poor angles and bad tackling, which is what we saw. Mm. Uh, yeah. Didn't love it. Didn't love it. Uh, McNeese State has speed. They're not like an untalented roster, they're, but they're a Division One team. Like everyone else, they got some dudes. And maybe they're going to be better than people predicted, but... I did not like what I saw. We're not used to seeing the Bobcat defense give up big plays. And that might just be we're better offensively and we're just worse defensively, but we're still a really good team from the sum of those changes. But I don't know. I didn't love it. We got to stir that up. We got to tackle better. Um, I think it's clear, like Ready Short played okay. And I think you may have been the third leading tackler, but I think Ryland Ort and in particular last year, Oh my gosh, who was the safety last year? It's killing me. Jeff Manning? No, the guy. Trey Webb? Yeah, Trey Webb. Yeah, I think we're going to miss Trey Webb. Um, I think Ryan Ort would be a good stand-in, so I'm excited to see Ryan Ort get back. Ready Short hasn't played a lot of football, so I mean, that's like one of his first starts in a while, so we'll we'll see. But, you know, with... Yeah, I think the secondary kind of concerned me a little bit there, but overall, not not super impressed, but lots of time to fix things. I can't tell if it was bad play calling too. Really, Matt Garza's first time. They were trying to figure out what McNeese was going to do. That made it challenging. I mean, there's lots of weird factors in this game, but overall came away 
slightly concerned, but not. I'm not panicking yet. We looked like we over pursued a little bit, maybe a little too aggressive, and sometimes sometimes we weren't hitting our fits. I think that led to those big plays, and we also missed Troy Anderson on the back end. Troy was a guy that erased a lot of mistakes for us last year. That I mean, on that uh, 75 yard gallop from uh, I can't remember his name right now, but Troy would have caught would have caught him maybe yeah. like 30, 40 yards down down the field, but uh, we don't have Troy anymore, so. Yeah, I'm kind of uh, echo what you said a little bit. Like, yeah, second half looked a lot better though. It did. Uh, I, and a concerning part for me too, and that we're talking through it here a little bit. We blew around the ends, which did not seal the edge. We didn't seal the edge well, is what I'm basically saying. I, I've, I've been concerned before the year started that the combination of Ben Seymour and Brody Greeby would would be very good at getting to the quarterback, but wouldn't be so awesome at staying home and being run stoppers. Ben Seymour had a good game. Like I thought actually Ben Seymour had a game that put himself on the map a little bit. Brody Greeby, I didn't really notice him having too much of an influence on the game. I think he may have had a sack uh, at one point, maybe down the end, but most of the sacks were Brody Greeby and Ben Seymour, like getting around the edges and the quarterback stepping into the middle and then getting flattened by Sebastian Valdez. But that, but when the you know the two ends come around like that, and then they hand the ball off to the side, and there's nobody home, and that's where the big gashes came from. But I just don't know if that's hmm. scheme. They're over pursuing. They're a little too aggressive. Like I'm not smart enough at football to know these things, but it seemed to me a little too aggressive on the defensive line led to some openings, and there was nobody home to tackle after that. Nobody named Troy Anderson to chase the play down. We're not going we'll to We're not going to talk about Troy all season. I promise. I promise. <laughs> Lots of stuff to improve upon. Yeah, and the defense couldn't shed blocks. Last thing I want to say, they need to get off blocks much better than that. I thought Miami State could have been called for holding several times, but you got to get out of those. That's just how that's how football works. If you guys got your jersey, you got to break off of that. And we and the defensive line didn't do a good job of that, and the, and the linebackers didn't do a great job either. All right, last question for you, Thorny, on on my part at least. What did you think of Tommy Mallott? You know, underwhelmed. Underwhelmed. I don't know. I kind of bought into the hype that it was going to come out and set the world on fire, and he looked okay. Like, didn't look stellar throwing the ball. Didn't look bad. I'm not saying he looked bad by any stretch. But I don't know. I was expecting with the offseason, like, all right, now he's got the whole system. He's had the summer and the fall camp to take control of the team. I mean, part of that could be the offensive line. Um, still being a work in progress, a young offensive line, but he tried to take off a little too much. And man, McNeese state was ready for him running the ball. They were very sound tacklers. They had a guy watching him. Anytime he tried to go out of the outside, a guy slid over there and it was waiting for him and big and Malak most of the time could not make him miss. In fact, he kind of, he ran and then tried to like put the brakes on and just got tackled. Like that happened multiple times trying to get the et outside. Somebody was faster than he was anticipating. And that was the end of that end of that run by and by, you know, um, I think there's obviously lots of room for improvement there, but overall, you know, not super, not super impressed game one, but it's a game one first. That's his first non-playoff start, which is kind of crazy to think about. That is kind of weird to think about. I was expecting to see more passes other than just, the sideline passes that we were seeing last year. 
I thought Montana State probably limited his, you know, game plan last year just to what he was comfortable with. Obviously, that I mean, Taylor House probably wouldn't do that. I expected to see, I don't know. Well, like for instance, we hit uh, Derek Snell across the middle. We hit Ro- Ravi Alston across across the middle. Just more route trees, right? Yeah. I mean, we see the same plays over and over again. I, I'm, I'm starting to believe that, like. Tommy's just missing stuff that's over the middle. Like one time they showed him pulling the ball down. It was just a camera angle was behind him. And there's Derek Snell sitting in the middle of a wide open zone, like a first down. <laughs> and Tommy's just got to see that. That's like, that's easy money right there. That stuff will come. It'll I slow think, down for him. Yeah, it will. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I think he, as he matures as a quarterback, that will come. But I was expecting to see that right now. Yeah. Like you look look across the the big sky. That's the thing is like it just kind of you know, pound your head a little bit. You look at Eastern Washington. You look at Sacramento State's quarterback. You look at you name pretty much any other school in the big sky. They have a competent quarterback just slinging it across across the yard. Montana State hasn't had that in forever. Forever we have Mon- uh, we have Tommy Malat who is a big sky preseason all conference quarterback, and he looked really average to me. He did. I really liked Tommy a lot, but the game looked a little fast for him. I think that's what I was like was thinking about this. I think the game just came a little too fast. You said it right. McNeese State, they were they were prepared for him. They were faster than what he was prepared for. Uh, I thought McNeese State's linebackers were lights out. They had really fast linebackers and a really good secondary as well. Yeah, there Very was, there was plenty guys. of plays where uh a lot put the ball in the air, and the defensive back was just glued to the wide receiver. Like, I thought their coverage was yeah. pretty darn good. I don't yeah. think we had b- bad wide receivers by any stretch. I just think that the, oh. the, I mean, that's that's the old adage, right? Southland speed. They're fast. They're fast down there, and yeah. they were fast on Saturday. They played fast, and, you know, they, they made a game of it, for sure. And they were big and strong on the defensive line, too. They had some big boys. And... There was they they put some moves on some of the offensive line like some of them were embarrassingly bad if you watch like the replays I think Rush Reimer just got coasted on a like an underarm hook swim move thing just got just beat instantly but <laughs> that's gonna improve like the offensive line like that they get yeah. like a C plus for me maybe a B minus for their first start okay but every one of them you can go back and look at the tape every one of them just got beat at one point there was several times that I had the the uh, you know, I was fortunate to watch the game knowing the outcome. So I could sit there and like, when you're watching the game live, you're watching the ball, right? Most likely you're watching the ball. You're watching the fun stuff. I'm sitting there watching like, All right, I know the outcome. So let's look at the offensive line. Who's in on this one? I'm like pausing it, making sure I know the, the personnel on it. And there was, there was times where two, two Bobcat offensive linemen went after the same guy. And then the other guy just came in unblocked. And I don't know if that's a missed assignment. I don't know if that's uh, Tommy Malott needing to make that call or Justice Perkins. I don't know who's in charge of that. That happened several times. So there's just some sort of communications going on there that will can be cleaned up. And overall, I mean, you know, I'm optimistic about it. They, they got a lot better in the second half, but uh, offensive line's got to play better if we want to be able to go the distance, but the distance being like into the playoffs, like deeper into the playoffs. Sure. Do you have any other thoughts on McNeese State? I mean, I could talk forever on this. I could talk forever. Jared White. I know. Jared White. He looks like a stud out there. Like he's not a bar, like a speedster, but man, he's got great balance. He's physical. He's explosive. 
I'm excited to see what he can do. I, I believe stiff arm. Yeah, the stiff arm was just brutal. And it didn't even slow him down. <laughs> that like was he, cold. He kept his that eyes downfield, and he just like pushed the guy down like it was nothing. I I believe Jared that White was... is a uh, the recruit that we were texting, and you told me that you weren't very impressed with his film. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do me like that. <laughs> Don't do me like that. Hashtag old take exposed. Okay, no, it's it's one game. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was exciting to see like that. He's down to like he would be. I thought he would have been fifth string. What happened to Elijah Elliott? Can we talk about that? He only got one carry. Um, <sighs> I don't know what's going on. I thought he got a screen pass earlier, but that may have been Jared White. I was a little confused on on the. Yeah, because Jared White got credited for one reception for negative two yards. Was Jared White wearing 12 or six in this game? He was. He's wearing, he was 12? wearing 12. Okay. Yeah. So he played fairly early on. He got a screen pass. So he got just smoked on because McNeese State cornerbacks blew up a whole bunch of screen passes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we weren't blocking or they <laughs> we were just reading it, but they blew through multiple blocks and just tackled our guy instantly. It was. Not pleasant to watch. But yeah, uh, Elijah Elliott, I thought he would have been forestering at worst. But he seems to, I mean, is he the next Demarius Hosey? Yeah, it's it's exactly where my brain went to. It's like I saw his body language on the sideline and it was bad. And that's the thing he could work on. But you put in all that work. Think about that, Ryan. You put in all that work. And then all of a sudden, a freshman, a true freshman gets in before you and takes a lion's share of the same snaps you were taking last year. That's got to feel, that's got to feel terrible. That's got to feel terrible. And that's what, I mean, the transfer yeah. portal makes it easy for guys like Elijah Elliott to just bow out at this point. So we'll see what happens. If he, you know, tries to get those carries back, that's what I would hope him to do. Like work for it, want it, show the coaches you want it, get those carries. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think. Regardless, yeah. and this is from a team perspective, we're in a good spot at the running back. Whether Elijah Elliott gets into that four-string spot and gets some carries, or if it's Jared White, either way, you know we're looking good. Agreed. I want to uh, Willie Patterson, man. He he looks good out there. I don't understand how he caught some of those. Like, there's a guy that's like taller than him guarding him, and somehow he catches it like falling backwards. He looks good out there. I, I, I thought it was crazy that we we're going to have him on the outside, but it could work. <laughs> it did work. He had two incredible yeah. catches. His fake backflip was so classic. That was so funny. because <laughs> like, no, no, no. That was Gold he Rush last year, right? I think it was Gold <laughs> yeah, Rush. It was. Where he did a backflip, got, got penalized. Butt <laughs> he like did that little stutter and then like pointed to someone like, ah, and then just like ran off. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> I wish he would have pointed at Vegan, like, nope, I'm not going to do it this year, coach. <laughs> that was too good. I laughed pretty hard good. when I saw that because you, you have yeah. to know why he did that because he got penalized for it last year. So pretty funny. Oh. Pretty oh, funny. Yeah. But yeah, it looked good, man. The wide receiver core looked good as a whole. Uh, what do you think of the wide, wide receiver core? I'm kind of curious. Hard to tell. I was impressed with Robbie Alston. I mean, his layout catch on the sideline was probably one of the top plays of the game easily. Uh, and that makes Sports Center it should have if it didn't. Well, Willie's catch was amazing too. His his reach on that, he contorted his body almost like 
you know, it was unreal that picture. I was looking forward to seeing Cleveland Thomas get some more spots. Um, and then the guy from from Sac State, I can't think of his name right now. Mark the sophomore Johnson. from Sac State, Marky Johnson. Yeah, those guys will get their spots. I just think uh, uh, Malat's going to have to, you know, share the ball a little bit more. I was really impressed with Derek Snell. Like he, he, his two catches, I was like, "Yeah, let's he go, let's a, go, let's he's go." He's a weapon, man. He's 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 fast he and he has moves. He's got like mm-hmm. some moves for a big dude. So it's been killing me for like years. Like get that, get the ball. Right. He's trustworthy too. He's always making good things happen when he has the ball. Yes, absolutely. We like, should just go back to that. Well, all like, the so, time. So many tight ends will catch the ball and then they get tackled awkwardly, or they just look weird around the ball. Like he looks like he's like a running back up. Like he knows what he's doing with the ball in his hand. Yep. Let's make it happen. You're right. That's a good point. It's a good, great point. Okay. Last thing I want to I want to ask you about this. Uh, I think that's probably the last thing Ooh. I have. I'm looking at my notes. Like I said, I was able to watch the game. I'm sitting there like typing notes like, oh, this, that. I noticed that uh, we didn't really sub very much in the defensive line at all, all the way until maybe the fourth quarter. Like Blake Heal didn't get in until the fourth quarter. Uh, I think Kyle Rigg maybe finally got in very late. We didn't go very deep until very late. And that was something that was a kind of our calling card last year, going like eight, 10 deep every game, like just package after package. Didn't seem like it happened very much. So what did you notice that number one? And if you did number two, what'd you think about it? I did not notice that coach vegan said that they played about eight defensive linemen. So I wasn't really paying attention yeah. to the defensive line. They didn't do it till until late. Until we were making sacks. And so I saw a lot of Blake Schmidt and, and Sebastian Valdez, but uh, my eyes weren't drawn to the defensive line. Fair enough. Yeah, I was. I just noticed that because, like I said, I was able to pause it and look at the personnel. Like whenever I felt like it, and I did not see. At some point, I it was probably the third quarter. I'm like, has Blake Hill been in? Has anybody else been in? It's like been Valdez, Seymour, Greeby, and oh gosh, Schmidt. Schmidt. Yeah, Schmidt was making plays. Schmidt, Schmidt played really well, but uh, it was those four basically. Yeah. All game long, David Austin got in late. Uh, yeah, it was David Austin and Blake Heel finally got in pretty late. That was, that was about it. Hmm. Paul Brott's on here with two tackles. I don't remember seeing him. Uh, but uh, yeah, just just kind of curious because that's like uh, something we're going to need moving forward. And I, th- I think I think I listened to the post game press conference and Vegan did mention that they want to get some more guys involved. But that's what they said all off season about like Tommy Watt running the ball and not like running one running back into the ground. And here we are with Tommy Watt getting 16 carries and Lane Sunder getting 24 carries. Is that going to be Vegan's downfall? We just rides guys into the ground? I hope not. Yeah, that's something to monitor. Yep. Uh, I was a re- little bit up. mad about that. That was my instant reaction show right yeah. there. It was yeah. a, little bit, a little bit salty. Yeah. I mean, talk offseason about not wanting to do it. And then the first game, you do it. You know, like we're we got a Chuck. game coming up. You'll hear it. But yeah, yeah, we got a game coming up that uh, is seemingly opponent where we should be able to rotate some guys in, you would think. So that's something that's like going to be on my radar coming up in, on Saturday. For sure. All right. Well, that's probably a good time to play the audio from Chuck Mraz uh, before about Moorhead State Eagles coming to town on Saturday. Is there anything else you want to say? about McNeese State give you one last chance here it's our first episode we're excited to be talking football it's probably gonna be a longer episode whatever we'll get we'll get better I promise we'll get more succinct later but I'm just I want to talk about everything I'm not even done I don't want to be done I just know that I'll talk forever if I don't 
and I apologize in advance <laughs> uh, fully. We after, have some golden we coolie questions. We do have to answer those. But after we were done recording with Chuck, Foley was like, you steamrolled me at the end there. <laughs> and it's true. I did. I was so excited. I'm sorry. I answered all of his questions. I was just, it's like one of my favorite things in the world was someone, was someone who doesn't know much about Bobcat football. Ask me about Bobcat football. Oh yeah. I will talk your ear off. And I, I apologize. Holy, I am sorry. I'm sorry to the listeners. You're going to get a heavy well, dose of me, but you did, you did a whole episode by yourself. All right. Let me have a few minutes. <laughs> you will have to endure some awkward pauses between Chuck and I as well. So oh, I apologize those for those. I'll edit those. Out yeah. Right. There we go. All right. <laughs> All right. Without further ado. Here's Chuck Mraz, the voice, the longstanding voice of the uh, Moorhead State Eagles. All right, Bobcat fans. Well, now we welcome in Chuck Mraz, who is the veteran voice of Moorhead State football or of the Moorhead State football program for going on 30 some odd years. Chuck, thanks for joining the show here today. Oh, great to be here. Yeah, Chuck, thanks for joining us. We were excited to talk to you about the upcoming game uh, from the Montana State point of view. Uh, I'm not sure. Ryan, I just thought about this. Do you, it, and maybe Chuck, you might know, has the Bobcats and Moorhead State played before? Uh, not during my tenure. And I do not, I don't really think that they've ever played before. I think this will be the first ever meeting, to my knowledge. Yeah. I also just thought about you know. this is the second straight week that we're playing another MSU. It's just MSU yeah. is all over the place. McNeese State, Moorhead State, Montana State. We have that same problem <laughs> in basketball. Uh, Murray State is, is leaving our conference after this football season. But when we play them in, in basketball, for instance, it's MSU versus MSU. So I have to differentiate between our MSU and sure. Murray in that case. So, yeah, I've been there, done that. <laughs> All right. Well, Chuck, I have the first question for you. Tell us a little bit about your coach, Rob Tenure. We know he's been there since, you know, roughly about 2013 as a head coach. And you were just chatting with us. He has a previous history with Moorhead State. And not just a little bit about him, but about the culture he's built at Moorhead State. Yeah, it's been an interesting watch to see how that's come along. Rob came here in 2001 initially as an assistant as our quarterbacks coach and then worked his way up to offensive coordinator. And then when coach Ballard left after uh, the 2012 season, he was named the head coach. Rob was, you know, we've had very explosive offenses under Rob, a very creative offensive mind. I think he's a former quarterback himself in, in college. He knows the game very, very well, very intense individual. And uh, we're in a kind of a different situation. We're playing division one football, but it's a non-scholarship brand of football. Of course, we play in the pioneer football league, which, you know, is not a non-scholarship league. Uh, he's had to try to find a way to negotiate that because we are the only public school in what is basically a private school league, which means we're up against some financial challenges that the private schools don't face. Uh, they can do a lot more with their finances in terms of the flexibility than what we can do. And so uh, here in recent years, in the last couple of years or so, Rob has changed a little bit in that recruiting philosophy that he's had. He's been looking for more transfer type players, whether they be junior college or from other universities, mainly division one universities. And that seems to be changing not only the culture, but also the talent level in this program. And it's starting to pay off. 
in the spring of, of 2021, we went four and three. Then last year, of course, seven and four. And I think it, it's it's a good idea to do that because a lot of these transfers, uh, when they come here, they're committed to this program. A lot of the freshmen come in and because they're not held by scholarships, if they're not playing, they leave right away. So you have a bevy of them that will leave after their first year here and they're tough to replace. So there's that constant roster turnover that you deal with. And now with this change in how we recruit, that's changed too as well. We have players that are stuck. They, they really feel like they belong to Moorhead State. They're committed to Moorhead State, and they'll stay here, whether it's two, three, maybe four years. Well, it sounds like you have, Moorhead State had some real talent that stuck around for quite a few years last year and, what, finished second in the Pioneer last year. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that uh, graduating class, some of the talent that Moorhead State lost, and maybe how they're working to replace that talent this year. Yeah, they had, I think, the highest number of seniors ever in the program. I believe it was uh, it was 20 plus. And uh, I'd never seen that many seniors since I'd been here. I mean, we had the senior day ceremonies and we had to order a meal during it to go ahead <laughs> to, to make sure that we had something to eat before the game started. But it was, it was interesting. They, a lot of great seniors left here. And, and, and with them, the talent level is we're, it's, we're, we're in a situation we're unsure of right now because we're replacing a lot of great players. We lost our quarterback, Mark Pappas, who set several records. We lost our top receiver at BJ Bird, who is an All-American who caught 90 passes last year for over 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns. He was a real playmaker for us. We lost our, our two top rushers and Isaiah Aguero and Earl Stoudemire. We lost our fine defensive end of Kansas transfer, Vaughn Taylor, who had 23 tackles for loss last year and 10 sacks. We lost our middle linebacker, Vincent Whiney. We lost our two top cornerbacks. So there's a lot of change on both sides of the ball. And quite honestly, I'm getting used to all the new guys myself. So looking at the Eagles, what would you say might be their strengths coming into this year? I know you only have one game against uh, Mercer, and that didn't fare well for you guys. And then maybe on the flip side of that, Chuck, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing early on? Well, I think some of the challenges are uh, just, you know, you're, when you change quarterbacks, obviously you change the identity of your offense. And, and Grady Kramer comes from a fine program up at Fort Thomas Highlands in northern Kentucky. Last year, he had a chance to play a little bit. He threw, I think, 21 passes for the season. He's been out there a little bit and had a chance to see what the game is like. He's got a great arm. He's got a tremendous arm. He may have the best arm I've seen in a long time here. Uh, but, you know, the jury's still out as to what kind of quarterback he'll be because he hasn't really played more than one game as a starter, obviously. He's six foot three, 218 pounds. He's, he's a smart young man. His backup is a kid from Texas by the name of Carter Cravens, who looks like a, a good player, too, as well. He got a chance to do some uh he got some mop-up duty in that game against mercer and i think he looked pretty good uh receiver wise with bj bird gone now you've got jeremiah scott and christian graves on the outside i think are two good receivers and then you've got matt guilfoyle back as one of our slot receivers so i think really if i was going to look at the strength of our offense it might be the three returnees on the line led by our all pfl pick cam marriott who's moved from left tackle now to center along with Jackson Spears, who's a guard, and Jacob Ungru, who's the right tackle. Uh, that's a good core to build an offensive line around. And we've got some pretty good receivers right now. The running back spot is still up for grabs in some ways. Chance Harris, who was a freshman last year and rushed for, I think, 139 yards, is right now the number one guy. But we're still looking for someone really 
to establish themselves there. Harris may hold the job the entire year, but there may be guys like Xavier Lomax and James Lewis and another guy by the name of Adebayo who might come in and, and play quite a bit. Uh, we're still developing that identity, though, as an offense. And really, in a game like this one coming up, for Grady Kramer, he's got to have protection when he goes back to throw. Uh, we do a lot of quick stuff. That's fine. But he's got the arm to throw it down the field, but he's got to have the time to throw it down the field. From the standpoint of our defense, we've got some pretty good guys. We've got two returning safeties, I think, are pretty good players. Cooper Krizek, who's all PFL at strong safety, and our free safety, Kyrie Keith, who led us with four interceptions last year, are good players. Uh, but replacing Vincent Whiney in the middle at linebacker, that's tough because he makes a lot of tackles. He was averaging about 10 tackles a game. Losing Vaughn Taylor on the outside as an end, uh, our leading rusher, uh, that's tough, too, because uh, he took a lot of pressure off the other guys. We're hoping that our Purdue transfer, Devin Connors, who played quite a bit last year, had some injuries. We're hoping that he can do some of the things that Vaughn did. But we're still developing our identity on defense, too, with Vincent Whiney and Vaughn Taylor gone. Those were the two top players we had. And now we've got to find someone who takes over as that defensive playmaker as well. So let's stick with the defense here, since the last thing you mentioned here. What are kind of some of the strengths or maybe what's the calling card that Moorhead State typically hangs their head on on defense? You know, we'd like to hang it on turnovers. We did a great job with that in the spring season of 2021. We had uh, a lot of interceptions and fumble recoveries, not quite as many in the fall season. I know that's what they'd like to get back to in a, in a game like this, especially against a team like yours with a great deal of talent, we're going to have to force the action. And I, I think we may blitz a little bit more and I think we're going to try to take the ball away if we can. And that's going to be difficult. But I think last year you guys only had 10 turnovers for the entire season. But if we can maybe make some things happen and give our offense some field position, it'll be up to our defense to make some things happen and get that ball back. So then the flip side of the coin would be the offense. You uh, talked to us a little bit before we got on oh, about a different offense. Never mind. It wasn't about necessarily the Eagles offense. How, are, how, do, you, how do you see the Eagles trying to attack Montana State on, on Saturday? Well, I look for, again, a lot of quick passes. I really do. Uh, you'll see some bubble-type screens, I think. Uh, you know, just quick routes where they try to sit down inside a zone somewhere and pick up five to seven yards. Really, our passing game is almost our rushing game in, in some ways. Last year, we only averaged 99 yards a game on the ground. It was more of a West Coast, West Coast style of offense that we used. Uh, the passing set up the running, and then every now and then we'd hit you with a deep shot here or there, maybe a B.J. Bird or somebody mm -hmm. else. But we're going to try to get those quick passes out to get ourselves in situations where we're not – second or third and long you know it, we want to be in second and third and manageable whether that's three to five or six yards so i guess i have a question then so it sounds like they you know the eagles are kind of forming an identity still offense and defense i guess what are the expectations for the season and maybe in particular what are the expectations uh for this game here against montana state well, you know, I don't have the, the list in front of me, but because we lost so many seniors, we were picked to fi finish in the lower echelon in the PFL in the preseason polls. But, uh, you know, that's to be determined in, in my mind, because I think that some of these new guys that we have are talented. Uh, even though we lost a lot, I think we do have some guys, and once they get their sea legs under them, I think they'll be able to play. Uh, in a game like this, you know, we've, we've got to show up. We've got to make some things happen on our own. We can't have a lot of bad things happen early in the ball game because 
playing especially at your place with a great crowd we know will be on hand against a very talented football team uh, that can snowball out of control in a hurry if you're getting a lot of turnovers, penalties, and not getting some yardage and controlling the football. Well, turnovers are certainly help uh, the Eagles. I know the Bobcats had a few kind of turnovers that we're not accustomed to seeing this year. Um, so it's certainly something that could keep the Eagles in the game. I think these, these kinds of games, you never know. Like uh, if you let a team hang around long enough and get some turnovers, like these are where upsets can happen. So, you know, we're looking forward to the matchup. I'm excited to see another kind of new program come to Bozeman. One of my favorite things to do um, is follow Twitter accounts of a team traveling to like Montana for the first time and they're, they're snapping photos or, you know, always checking out the mountains and stuff, scenery and stuff. Um, so that's always fun. Are you, are you making the trip up, Chuck? No, we're going to be doing this broadcast uh, remote. Uh, it, it's interesting. We started doing that, of course, during uh, the COVID year, uh, the 2021 spring season. We did all our road games remotely. We'll be doing our conference games in person this year. We did the Mercer game remotely, and it's quite a challenge. I want to say that because we depend so much on the production values that were presented by whatever TV crew is working a certain game. Some are better, some are worse, uh, some are more challenging. We have to rely on our computer stats quite a bit because it also includes a running play-by-play, which will tell you who the ball carrier was or the passer or the tackler and how many yards were gained or lost and what yard line you're on. And you really have to be on top of your game. There's a lot more mental strain involved and a lot more challenges involved in calling a a football game remotely. Not so much calling a basketball game remotely because you have a a 90 foot, foot, a 94 foot floor and uh, you've only got 10 players to keep track of. But when you talk about a football game, you're talking about uh, 100 yards of playing surface and then you've got the end zone, so you add another 20 yards there. And plus, you've got 22 guys running all over the place. And if you've got a wide shot trying to pick some guys out at times, well, that can be pretty challenging. So, I mean, uh, my partner and I have to rely on one another quite a bit to try to figure out exactly what's going on. I mean, we we know that struggle just trying to do this podcast. We'll be trying to watch. I mean, you know what it is on TV. You don't see the receivers going downfield. You don't know what's happening in the secondary. You, uh, you can't see the routes developed. There's just so many things you can't see. And then, you know, we're talking about the, the the game and not being able to see these kind of things. So we, you know, certainly understand the struggle and obviously not to the level that you would be struggling with trying to do live in-game calls on stuff you can't see so far zoomed out or whitewashed. You can't even see a number or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, 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 it is interesting. If, if there's a real wide shot, yeah, you can't read the numbers. There's no doubt. Well, no doubt the Eagles are fortunate fortunate enough to have you especially with the i mean your 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 experience precedes you sir so 35 years worth of experience behind the mic that's pretty awesome that's 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 something to hang your hat on for sure and if bobcat fans or maybe any more head state fans or anybody listening to this wants to check out any of your work or anything like that where can they find you well uh we broadcast through our website msueagles.com and also through our flagship station, which is WIVY, and they are online too as well. And if uh, you know you've got the Alexa app in your home or whatever, like I do, sometimes I'll just ask them to play ninety six point three FM WIVY radio, and uh, it'll crank it up, and you'll be able to hear the ball game. But uh, yeah, we appreciate the the fact that we've had a chance to to meet with you guys tonight and have a, talk a little football, and uh, obviously uh, we're excited about this weekend's ball game. 
Uh, we're excited to play. It's football season. We just love watching football and watching the Bobcats. So we really appreciate you taking some time again. And, uh, you know, Chuck, you know, thanks for coming on and have a good night. Okay. You too. Take care. You too. Thanks, Chuck. All right. Well, that was our interview with Chuck. Really appreciate Chuck taking some time to come on. Like, it's so cool being able to talk to other people throughout the country and other programs, especially guys like Chuck Mraz mm-hmm. and John Hatler last year, who was the voice of UT Martin. He had been there for a long time, too. It's really cool talking to guys who've been at their programs for a long time and just know the ins and outs and everything about it. So, I mean, that, I hope that was a good listen for everyone. You learned a little bit about Moorhead, Moorhead State as a program and the team coming to Bozeman on Saturday. And uh, again, appreciate Chuck for coming on. Did you know you said up, Chuck? When? Me? Yeah. When? During the interview. I said up, Chuck? <laughs> I can't remember because it was a couple hours ago when we recorded it, but you said up, Chuck. <laughs> In what context? Oh, moving something up or something blah, blah, up, Chuck. What do you think, up, Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, I apologize, <laughs> Chuck, if I did say that. The tape doesn't lie. We'll find out. Uh, <laughs> Kind of like up dog, I he guess. Has such good, uh, he has such a good voice. Like he's such a good voice, like a radio voice. Yes, like you could tell he that guy's made to be a radio announcer. Yeah, he's a play by play announcer. Like that's it, his voice is per- perfect for it. So yeah, they're they're a lucky program to have a guy like that. Absolutely, and we've had like a rotating door, so it's always cool being a guy who's like thirty years at the same program. All right. Well, let's do this, uh, Thorny. Let's uh, let's talk about a couple things we want to see the Bobcats do during this game, and then let's uh, wrap this up with some golden coolies. Sounds good. Yeah, I don't want to be like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? But I mean, the Bobcats uh, are are going to win this football game most most likely. So I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on the X's and O's type stuff. I think you hit it best. What do we want to see from the Bobcats in this game? I would like to see Tommy Malott uh, just have better vision for the field. I want to see more. I want to see him complete more than 11 passes. I want to see more than 19 attempts at passing as well. I know we're probably going to be the Bobcats of who we are. We're going to run the ball. And I think Jeff. if this was a Jeff Choate uh, team, if this was a Jeff Choate game, we'd probably have 400 yards of rushing by the end of this game, I would assume, or something close to that. I want to see a little bit more balance just because I want to see Tommy Malott progress as a passer. I mean, if this is a team, and let's be honest, like you said, I don't want to disrespect Moorhead State at all. There you but go. this the should be a team where, what's that? I said that was the word. I'm trying to, remember I was trying to think of the word earlier. Disrespect. I don't want to be disrespectful. That's the word yeah. I was trying to come up with. I don't with. want to be disrespectful to them, but I think this could be a, a game where we could work on some stuff. Absolutely. Actually, so, I had I a question see, I for see you. Malott. On the on the yeah. that I was actually Shoot. thinking about this earlier and I didn't have a chance to ask it. How many passes, or I guess how many completions in particular? Or I guess both. How many completions? How many passes? Roughly, do you want to see from Tommy, and, and or how many do you think we need to be doing to be like another contender title type team? Well, that's tough. It could be. It just depends on the the team. I want to see what it looks like for the the catch the ten thirty passes, like throwing thirty passes a game. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm th- I'm thinking 25 to 30 is kind of my sweet spot. I mean, every game is going to be different, of course. I'm more like an average type situation sure. or like a goal. So I'm just kind of curious what you what you're thinking about that. Yeah. What else do you want to see? Better fits on the run. I don't want. I want to see an elimination of uh, big plays. Uh, I want to see. I don't know. Gosh, the refs were just so terrible that <sighs> they took away probably like ten points from us last game, and I, want, I, want, I don't want to see that again. I don't want to see Montana State have six penalties while the other team only has two. That that was that was silly. So clean up some of some of the personal fouls, but also although the, some of the personal stuff, like the the Tyakata stuff, like where he checked the, the quarterback essentially in the, in the shoulder that that was called back that, that kind of stuff like come on we're just playing football like that yeah that's it that's a silly that kind of stuff you can't that's like out of your hands that was the least know. worst of all the bad calls in my opinion he kind of blindsided right. the Still quarterback i mean yeah <laughs> so here's what i really want to see i want to see a lot of players play i want to see a lot of depth come out I want to see good run fits. I want to see us flying to the ball, aggressive, fast. And I want to see us spread the ball around. I don't want to see Lane Sumner get 24 carries this weekend. I want to see at least three running backs touch the ball, spread it out, a couple different concepts on some, you know, tree concepts that we were talking about, but not show the whole hand. This is not the this is not the game where you're going to be dynamic in, in our passing game, but you should be able to Complete some more passes just besides the 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 fade. Like I like the fade, but I want to see something different. I do. We don't have Lance McCutcheon back there anymore. I mean, to Willie P, he's doing a great job. And Robbie Alston, he's he's gonna be he's he's an inch taller than Lance, apparently, according to Coach Vegan. But I don't know. I just want to see Tommy Mollot be more of a complete quarterback. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Talk myself into it. That could be baby steps in that arena. But yeah, he's he's gonna have to be more dynamic passing the ball than he was against Mini State. Like it's so it's so weird like how we how my viewpoint has changed since we made it to the national championship. Like we're 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 gonna be a good team in the Big Sky Conference. Like no matter what. Like mm-hmm. my my perspective yeah. is now how do we compete on more of a national stage and to be able to take that deep run playoff type team, yeah, Tommy Lott's gonna have to do more and he did on the ground and through the air, honestly. Like, his stats are only good rushing the ball because he had that broken, weird play at the end of the game where he had, like, 20-some-odd-yard touchdown run or whatever it was. Before that, it was, like, 15 carries for, like, 30 yards or 20 yards. Like, he was just getting bottled up. He's got to be better passing and throwing the ball. Um, as far as things I want to see, I wanna, I'll want i probably take this baby step style. I want to see better tackling on the defense. I mean, just getting off blocks and tackling the ball carrier. I don't want to miss tackles. Uh, I think that's something I'd like to see. Uh, overall, penalties need to be cleaned up a lot, whether whether they're bogus or not. That, that's, you know, certain teams get the MO where they just have all the penalties. At some point, you know, it's not the rest's fault. It's you. And one game doesn't make anything, but that's what I'd like to see is clean that up a little bit. Offensively, I want to see the offensive line play together better as a unit. I think there's individual talent there. They're young. They're going to get better. I mean, that's going to happen. That's something I'm looking for, just the offensive line to kind of gel better. And yeah, tell me a lot. Completing 20 passes. That's what I like to see. 
11. So you can basically double. Now, maybe he'd get pulled in the third quarter and that changes this entire dynamic. But if he goes four quarters or, or at least like three quarters, you know, get in the upper teens, get 20, 20 completions on like 25 or 30 yard, 30 attempts. A bold prediction for this next game is that he goes over 250 yards passing. That was my exact exact one. You asked me to come up with kidding? a bold prediction, and I'm like, Tommy Malott, 250 <laughs> through the air. <laughs> High five, bro. <laughs> All right. Well, that's not very exciting content. We both have the exact same bold prediction. I can't uh, believe that. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I, that was my only one. I can't think of another one on the fly. Hey, uh, somebody asked us, uh, would the Bobcats get, what, 13 interceptions this year. Like we're at what? Three? Was there two or three left? Two. Two. So yeah, two. good start. So should have had three. Jeff Manning had one go right through his hands. He Come did, on, Jeff. Yeah, he did right in the beginning. Jeez. I was trying to think like, like what's the other. It much easier than that. What's another pull prediction I could have? I was like, well, a pick six, I guess. If I'll, I'll let you have Tommy. I'll do a pick six in this one because obviously we almost had one. Manning. Had one to go through his hands. We're ball hawking. We're looking good in that arena. But if you listen to Chuck Mraz, uh, how he thinks that Morehead State will attack us, it'll be a lot of like slants or quick quick passes, screens, bubble screens. They're going to get the ball out of the, out of the quarterback's hands quickly to minimize any uh, you know overwhelming. Uh, oh gosh, man, I can't think of words. That's hard about podcasting. You can't think about words when you want to think about it. Any mismatches. Versus their offensive line versus their defensive <laughs> line. They're going to get the ball out quick. I mean, that's how, that's how you mitigate that kind of problem. So we may yep. not have a lot of opportunities to pick the ball off, but I'm still going to go with pick six. Okay, let's move into some Golden Cooley questions. I'm going to ask you this. A Bloom Gold Blitz says, who do you think will be the best player on the field either side of the ball? No QBs. Everyone always goes for the quarterback. Uh, Lane Sumner. Ooh. It's going to go Sebastian Valdez. That was mine. Yep. I was thinking Callahan O'Reilly, Valdez, or Sumner were my three choices. How many cheeseburgers can Marcus Ware eat in a single setting? What kind of cheeseburgers here? Are we talking? Uh, I knew you were going to ask that. What was that place in Grace Falls? What was that like old school, not Ford's? It was the place, Sandy's. Sandy's. Burger Master. Zandy's or Sandy's? Zandy's. Okay. You could get four burgers for a buck when I was in high school. He could he could pound a hundred mm-hmm. of those. <laughs> <laughs> the patty was like the size of like uh, I don't know, it was like two inches wide, and the burger bun was like four inches wide. He like had this. It was so pathetic. Uh, it was all bread. I, I'm, he could do he could do twenty of any any single burger anywhere. McDonald's, McDonald's 20? cheeseburgers. He could do probably thirty. Think so. Thirty's a lot. Is a lot it, of though? burgers. Is it though? For for a two hundred ninety pound dude, how many could you eat? Me? How much could you eat? Yeah, if I was in a single setting. All right, you so if, to... I, if you're not eating any fries or anything, I could probably get ten down. Whoa, those Seriously? aren't very big, man. There's those, no way. Those those are paper There's thin. No way, you those things are 10. paper thin. <sighs> I, I mean, granted, you're eating ten buns, five. But when you buy buns I at bet home, you could get five. <sighs> All right, well, let's do this challenge. I issue a challenge no, to not. our listeners. How many <laughs> film yourself eating no. McDonald's cheeseburgers? How many could you All eat? All right, let's keep this going. <laughs> All right. Uh, could you 
could you have completed the pass to Tommy Mallott on the Philly special? This is a, a, a jab at Sean Chambers. I could. That was a terrible pass. I watched that. I watched that pass probably ten times today. They didn't get a finger on it. That was just a crappy pass. Sean Chambers, you're a Division One quarterback, and you couldn't make that throw. Shame on you. I have two questions for you, Foley. When's the last time you threw yeah. a football around? Like every day, man. My I play football every day with my sons. Okay, fair we play. Enough. We run routes every 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 day. Because I don't, I don't, I don't so, throw the football around too much. I remember the first time I, I did it, like when I haven't done it for like a year or two. Like my arm is like a noodle arm. Like, oh yeah, I can't throw the ball far anymore. I'm forty. Uh, that's my first problem. Not yours, apparently. But when's the last time you tried to throw a football with like full pads on, a helmet, and shoulder pads? Well, what are you trying to get at? Are I'm you saying, trying to defend Sean I'm saying Chambers if you here? were inserted into that game right now, you couldn't complete that pass. Yes, I could. <laughs> I'm athletic enough to do that. That would have been easy for me. In gold rush, easy. full pads, which you've never worn yes. before. You're not practicing. You are just think out about there. it. You just do it. It just takes over. Just you just do it. do it. I could have done it. Yes, I could have done you it. You could have done better than a guy who's thrown like 6,000 passes in his professional. Put it on the poll. <laughs> Put it on the Twitter poll. Could fully could have complete... The the Philly special to Tommy Milan. Of course, my toxic trait is thinking that I could score a single point in an NBA game. So <laughs> I could have done it. I could have done it. Yes. Okay. I would I would have been able to do it. I, I, I'd like to think 100%. I could too, but I'm just like I don't know. Hundred percent. Circumstances are harder than anything. Buy or sell? Tommy Milan will finish the season with more rushing touchdowns than Sean Chambers. Bye. I'll sell that. If they're going to use mm. Sean for any time inside the twenty, he's already got two up. I guess he, uh, I guess Mallott did get one. Uh, yeah, I, I, I will buy it. I Tommy will finish higher. Rethinking my answer. <laughs> are you switching? Yes, yeah, those myself are all it. from Blue and Gold Blitz. Good yes. job, Blue Thanks, and Gold Blue. Blitz. And those are and good. gold. Those are good. Blitz. Uh, a new poster, Bobcat, nineteen sixty three, with like like a proper like spacing in between that. I like that. Uh, by ourselves, Sebastian Valdez will lead the entire team in total sacks. As a defensive tackle, Ooh, that that's is a, great a really question. good question. I mean, because yeah. we're all going to assume Gr- Brody Greeby will get there, but uh, I mean, one game sample—that's that's tough. I'll, I'm I'm gonna. Oh, I don't. Th- I mean, the precedent. Still gonna there. sell. I'm gonna go with Brody. I'm gonna go with Brody. I think the. Uh, I mean, the, the, there was that. Stud defensive tackle for Eastern Washington a few years ago, like Roland Williams or something like that. Or Roland, Roland Williams was a professional Samson NFL player. Or no, no, it wasn't the Samson Mickey bomb. Uh, anyway, he had like 10 sacks from his defensive tackle spot that year. He was a stud. I mean, it could happen. It could happen. Uh, if it, if it kind of plays out the way it did, where we keep collapsing the pocket and forcing the quarterback to step into it and Valdez just wait there, <laughs> if that's the trap we're laying every game. But overall, I'll probably sell it. I, I'm hoping I sell it. I'm hoping Greedy B ends up with like 13 or 14 sacks. I don't think Valdez can get that many. Good question. Very good question. Made me think about it. Yep. Very good question. Nice job. And then Hellcat. Oh, gosh. He was just answering all Bloom Gold. Uh, let's see. Go down. Last one. Rich K says Big Sky Conference Player of the Week awards were given mostly based on statistics. Best stats against even the worst team in the country will get you a Big Sky Player of the Week award. So that being said, will Montana State win zero, one, two, or all three Big Sky Conference Players of the Week awards? Special teams, offensive, and defensive. 
Is this just for this game against Moorhead? I believe that's where he's No, at. in general, throughout this season. And he must have been listening to the Instant Reaction show because I mentioned Utah Tech. And he yeah. says, by the way, Utah that, Tech is the Dixie new name State, for yeah. the Dixie State. I listened to that too. Uh, I'm like, yes, Dixie State, fool. They changed your name. Uh, yeah. oh, so, if, we, if, if Thanks, we're talking Rich. all year, like we'll get three Player of the Week awards. Gosh, man, I don't know. Maybe. Like, I was looking at the voting today. I don't know what I was doing all the reading today. And might have been on 406, Montana Sports. Could have been on FCS. I'm not sure. Lane Stumner wasn't even on the list. Wasn't even nominated. Player of the, which was yeah. crazy. <laughs> like, are you kidding? Like, what do you got to do? I'm curious. I'm going to look this be up. Grizzly? Keep talking. I think he he has to be leading the... <laughs> The the conference in rushing, doesn't he? <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna look you it up. know what I thought. So there there is a there is a take that I wanted to get out there, just put out there. I, I thought Montana State. So here's a cat grizz comparison. I thought that the cats well, I'll, I'll start with the Grizz. I thought the Grizz played as close to their ceiling as they're going to on, on the game against Northwestern State. I thought the cats have a higher ceiling than the Grizz but have a lot of room of improvement. I think the cats are nowhere near their ceiling. I don't know whose ceiling is yeah. higher, but yeah, you, you almost want any kinks and stuff to be figured out early on. You want to be getting better towards November. We've seen Bobcat teams in the past just be dominant in the beginning of the season and just fizzle. So, I mean, it can go both ways, uh, but I don't think you can take away either too much from either one right now. Well, do you remember last year when the Grizzlies beat University of Washington? That was basically the best thing that happened to them all year long. Yeah, and then from there, everything home, was like sure. measured against that. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they beat us, and so that was like, you know, they they kind of thought that was pretty cool, but they didn't even make it to the semifinals. No, no. See, I mean, you never know. You never know. It's a uh, early season stuff doesn't really mean a whole lot. And even middle season nope. stuff. Like, look at the way we got smoked in Kakaris and we went to the national championship anyway. Like, it's, <laughs> football's a funny sport, man. Yeah. That's, what, that's why we love it. That's why we watch. That's why we talk about it, podcast about it, read about it. If we could smell it, we could. We would. Excuse me. need <laughs> <laughs> in this episode. Yes. Yeah, okay. it's going to be a longer one. Yeah. I, well, we got to pick up a Golden Cooley winner. I know. Well, it's got to be Blitz, I, right? I know who we're going to go with. No, Bloom Gold has one. And if he wants a, a another one, I, I got to go with Bobcat 1963. Oh, yeah. Okay. By ourselves, Sebastian Valdez will lead the entire team. Woo! Woo! I used to have a All right. thing on Bobcat here. 1963, you know the drill, man. Get at me. Get at Thorny. Contact us. I'm Common Cat. He's Celtic Cat. You can just email me. On Bobcat Nation. Sounds good, man. Well, that was fun. I hope everyone had fun listening to this. I know it's going to be a long one. I'm looking at our timer. We're probably about an hour or 10 on this before I put in <laughs> more hate, more uh, Chuck Mraz, Morehead State audio. So that we're probably like an hour 40 on this one, but it's our first one. I think people will enjoy it and we'll get better. I promise. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to Manhattan Bank for being our new sponsor. I'm excited to start this partnership and get this going here. Thanks 
uh, Chuck Mraz for coming on the show and talking some more head state football, making our job a little easier because all the research in the world we could do will be nothing as good as someone who knows a program like that coming on. You can find us on Twitter, RRCatCast. You can always find us on the web, RRCatCast.com. You can shoot us an email at RRCatCast at gmail.com if those other things aren't your cup of tea. And fully, let's get our first victory. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats.